What's up? Welcome to The Point tonight, and uh, we want to get started and jump right in. Um, dude, how good was that? Woo. I could do that all night long, just singing praises to God because He is good, because He is amazing, because He is worthy and He is worth it. For some of you in here, maybe it's your first time you've ever been here. Maybe it's the first time you've ever been to church. And you're like, I, I don't really understand that or any of that kind of stuff. And I hope that you would, you would make this your home, that you would come every Thursday night, that you would check out what we're doing here, and that you would learn more and see what God would have to say to you. Because I'm telling you this, that God can radically change your life in no other way. And, and no one else could ever fulfill what God has designed for you in your life. And that is what we're talking about. That is the series that we're in right now. We are talking about the mission in the vision of what the point is, what the point is about, who we are, and what we are about. And last week, I took you guys through the first part of who we are, what we're about. We are about people connecting with God. Uh, the series Circles is basically these three concentric circles that really sum up who we are and what we're about as a student ministry. And, and we begin here with the core, with God. I'll back it up so you guys can see it over here on this side. And we begin with, with the core, which is God. That God has to be the center of our life. That God has to be the core. And everything that we do here... He has to be the core. And what happens is, is that we get off track with this and we place other things in place of God or we place ourselves in the place of God and we try to raise ourselves up. So last week we walked through Daniel chapter 3, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we talked about how there were three different characters in this story, three different people who lived about 700 years before Jesus lived that in their story of life and their story of this situation. If you'll remember in the story, we talked about King Nebuchadnezzar who was an image builder. He was all about building his image. He built this statue of 90 foot high of gold and wanted people to worship. He was an image builder. And, and many of us in our lives, we are image builders as well. I mean, we have Facebook and we build an image on Facebook. We don't put our failures on Facebook. We don't put our O's on Facebook. We don't put our ugly pictures or fat pictures of ourselves on Facebook, right? Like we put the things of ourselves on there that make us look good, that make us better. No one is as good as our Facebook is, but we are image builders. We want to project an image to other people that is greater, higher, and better than ourselves. And we desire to rise in popularity, to rise in our life, to be at the top. And it is the sin of Adam and Eve. It is the sin of Satan. And it is the sin of every man that walks on the face of this earth. Listen, every single one of us in this room, including myself, would love to be the God of my life. Because when you are the God of your life, there is no responsibility. There is no consequence. You get to decide what happens in your life. And you get to decide what to do in your life free of consequence. But we know that that is not true, that there is consequence for our actions. The second people that we looked at in there is we looked at the crowd. We saw these people who were the people of God, supposed to be worshiping God, yet they bow down to the statue. They bow down to the statue. And so not only are there image builders, but there are image bowers. Image bowers, and listen, many of us are image bowers. Remember I told you the story last week, if I built a gold statue of myself in the front and said, we have a furnace out back, if you don't bow before this statue, we're going to throw you in that furnace. And then I followed up with that by saying, this is what I know, some of you would come there and you would bow. You would bow, because the fear of death would be enough for you to bow down before another God. But this is what I also know. 
for some of you, it takes far less to get you to bow to other things. The fear of losing friendships, the fear of losing popularity, the friends of the, the fear of whatever, fill in the blank that will get you to bow. And then we talked about the boys of Babylon. They were image bearers. Yet we were all created in the image of God. We all bear the image of God. But to bear something means to carry it. They carried the image of God. And they said, you can threaten us with death. You can throw us in that furnace if you want to. They had status. They had popular. They had everything that they could ever want. But they said, there are some things that God has drawn a line in the sand with. And we would rather die than cross that line. They were image bears. They had God at the core of their life. He was the focus of their life. He was everything to them. And let me tell you something. If you want to get this right, if you want to know what we're about as the Point High School Ministry, we are about you getting that right in your life. You putting God at the core of your life. Because we believe, and the mission statement of our church is, is that we desire for people to, to, to and we inspire life, which is in core, share life, which is the next one, and give life, which is what we're talking about next week, so that you can have life and have it to the full. For Jesus says that I've come that you may have life and have it to the full in John 10, 10. And this full life that God offers us, this full life that God gives us, and when we follow this in our life, what we see is God gives us this full life in him. And the fullest satisfaction, the fullest life you will ever have is a life that is, that is seeking after him, pursuing him with all that you are and all that you have. And so God has got to be at the core. And tonight what I want to talk about is, I want to talk about the second circle. We're going to call it community. This is the share life piece. This is share life. This is with others. But not just with others, this is, this is with others that are in the church, others that are in the body of Christ. And there, here's the reality, every person in this room, you must understand that God has created you for relationship. If you got your notes right out there, I, I'll walk through these notes, but God has created you for relationship. See, it is in who God is, it is the very essence of God. If you remember and you back all the way up to before the beginning of time, before God had ever created man, anybody ever thought before, man, what was God doing before he created? Was he just like bored, just chilling out like, hmm, what am I going to do today? You ever thought about that before? I think about that all the time. But this is what you understand, that, that before God created, it was God was in relationship, and he was in relationship with himself. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God in three persons, in perfect relationship, in perfect unity, in perfect love, in perfect peace, and in perfect joy with himself. God didn't need to create man in order to have more relationship. God didn't need to create man to get more glory for himself. God didn't need to do any of that kind of stuff. But God chose to show his love and pour out his love on us by creating us. And so if you know the story, uh, the Bible tells us that in, in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, we see the story of creation. And God creates man as a part of that. That is the chief of his creation. I mean, he creates animals, he creates trees, he creates ocean, he creates all this stuff. And he says, but I'm creating man in my image. And the Bible tells us that Adam walked with God. And so Adam's walking with God in the garden. And this is something interesting happens. Adam's walking with God in the garden. And in, in Genesis chapter 2, verses 18, the Bible says that it is not good for man to be alone. I mean, that makes no sense to me, God. You're walking with Adam in the garden. I mean, he's obviously not alone. 
He's got God, and is, is, is he not fulfilled in his relationship with you? I mean, here's the reality. The reality is, is that God was enough for Adam. Adam didn't need anything else other than a relationship with God. But I believe that God wanted to, man to experience the fullness of relationship with others to show the fullness of his relationship within himself. And so what does God do? God says it's not good for man to be alone, and he brings all the animals before Adam, and he can't find a suitable companion. So God puts Adam in a deep sleep, and he, he, he takes one of his ribs, and he creates Eve for relationship. See, we were created for relationship. It, it wasn't ideal to God for it just to be God and man. God's ideal was for it to be God, man, and us together Working together, others was a part of God's plan. In fact, you even see this with Jesus, who is God in the flesh. Jesus is walking the earth, and a lawyer comes to him and says, what is the greatest commandment? And what does Jesus say? He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. And the second of these is to love your neighbor as yourself. And I'm like, why did he give him two? The guy only asked for the greatest commandment. I believe it's because Jesus couldn't separate the two. Loving God and loving others is such a part of who God is and, and a part of his creation that he couldn't separate the two. It was, we love God and we love others. And let me tell you this, if you don't love others, it is impossible for you to love God. Impossible. You can say that, man, I love you, Jesus, I worship you, all this kind of stuff. And, and the Bible tells us over and over again that, that we cannot be in right relationship with God and in broken relationship with man. It just cannot work. I mean, Jesus even tells us some, some pretty audacious things. He says, listen, if you do not forgive others their sins, if their relationship with each other, your heavenly Father will not forgive you of your sins. That's pretty convicting, right? I mean, the relationships that we have with each other should be a reflection, should be a mirror of the relationship that happens between God and man. And within God, the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so relationships are important. Community. And I think that this is hashed out in three different ways in Scripture. And I could preach a different sermon on every single one of these three ways. And so I'm going to try to blow through it. We're not going to exhaust any of these things. But you need to see it. And you need to understand it so that you can see how we want to grow as a student ministry. What we want to see the point to be about. Because we believe that there are thousands, over 60,000 high school students in the Gwinnett County area that, that are living and walking in many of them don't know Jesus, don't know about a relationship with him, don't know how to live a full life in Christ, and we want them to know that. And how do we do that? How do we get there? The first thing that is key in what you see in scripture is, is that, that there is, um, that there is uh, unity. There's unity. What we notice in scripture is that there is unity. The church was unified. I mean, even as a part of, of, what, we, of what we see in, in God's continuation of the relationship with man, when Jesus dies on the cross, he sends his disciples out to go, and, and the church begins, and the church is meant to be in relationship with each other. And so let's read this, this uh, right here. And we are in, um, in to, on, your, on your paper there, you have it as John 17, verse 22, 23. says this, I am praying not for these disciples, but also for for who will ever believe in me through their message? I pray that they will be as one. Just as you and I are one. 
He's talking about him and his relationship with the Father, the Godhead. He's talking about how he sees his relationship unified with the Father and how we should be unified in relationship with one another. He says, and he says, uh, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I have, given them, I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you loved me. Look what he says. This is so amazing. He says, my desire is for you as the church, as God's people, to be as one with one another just as he is one with the Father so that the world, so that those people that don't know Christ, those people that don't know God, those people that don't understand this full life in him would know and be able to experience and be able to see the fullness of God's love and the fullness of what God has in store for them. I mean, this is huge. This is huge. Unity is at the core of who God is, and it is the core design of what the church is supposed to be. We're to be unified as the church, unified as the body of Christ. And so when you come to church and you're like, man, I don't really feel unity here. I, I kind of feel like people are kind of doing their own thing. And I kind of feel like these people are doing their own thing. And, dude, I've been walking around here for 30 minutes and not a single person has came up and said one word to me. And, and, and I, I just look around. I'm just not really feeling this unity. And you know what? I got people that go here. I've been going to church here maybe for three years. And there are people over here. I don't have a clue what, what, their, what their favorite color is. I don't have a clue who their best friend is. I don't have a clue who, what their dog's name is because I've never built into that relationship and have never felt and experienced that unity in the body of Christ. Let me tell you something. My desire, our desire, our prayer for this student ministry is for us to be unified as the body of Christ. For there to be a level of unity among us that other people in the world see it and they want to be a part of it. Everywhere you go, it's about every man for themselves, doing their own thing, climbing their own ladder, doing their own thing. How beautiful is it when you see a group of people come together and you see that they're unified? Listen, church is a team sport. It's not about an individual. And we have to be unified in the body of Christ. We have to have unity. When I think about the word community, if you break the word community up here, you see the word unity in it? Really, you can write it out like this, and this is what it literally looks like, common unity. You say, yeah, but Derek, you don't understand, man. I don't have anything in common with those people. I don't have anything in common with them. I mean, they play sports, or they're in the band, or they're in this, or they're in that, and I like to play video games all day. We don't have the same things in common. Since when are hobbies, when are hobbies the major marker of whether we are connected to someone or not? See, we create these genres of what students are and who people are based on the things that they like to do, and that is just stupid. We have different interests, maybe. We have different hobbies, maybe, but we still connect. And what we see in the church is they still connected. They were still unified as one because they had a common purpose. They had a common thing, thread that ripped through the middle, and that thread was Jesus. Was Jesus. Listen, you may not have anything in common personally with a person sitting three rows behind you. But if you have faith in Christ and God at the core of their life and, and, and that community that is built there, there's unity in the body of Christ that goes far greater than any of that stuff. Any of that stuff. 
So we desire unity. The second thing that we, that we desire in this ministry is fellowship. It's fellowship. And, and uh, when we talk about fellowship, we need to look at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And we see from the, from the early church, we see this idea of fellowship. And I want to explain this to you. I want to break it down for you. But I just want you to read this. Look what it says. All the believers. How many? That's good. I like it. Pat. Oh. It's like, kill me now. Say it again. How many believers? Yes. Yes. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and sharing in meals. Notice the sharing. This is about sharing life. They shared with one another, including the Lord's Supper and the prayer. A deep, what? A what? Yes. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. And all the believers, how many? All the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared, sharing life, shared the money with those who were in need. They worshiped together in the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Look at what was happening here. Do you know what this world wants to see? They want to see the church doing this. This is the church at its rawest. The church at this point is literally days old. Days old. The church begins in Acts chapter 2, and this is at the end of Acts chapter 2. This is, this is around the middle of the first century A.D. Jesus has, been, uh, has, has, has died on the cross, he's risen from the dead, and he's ascended into heaven literally probably weeks before what we're talking about right here. And notice what he says. I mean, you read through this and you're just like, wow. Like, they, 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 all the believers met together. Notice it says that they met together in one place and shared everything they had. They met together daily. They sold everything that they owned. When you read through the passages there and you read through chapter 2 and 3 and 4, you see these people selling their land and selling their homes and selling all of this stuff to bring the money together so that they can help feed the poor and so they can help other people out. I mean, these people are committed to Christ. They're committed to each other and they're committed to meeting the needs of one another. Listen, this is what I know. For many of us in this room, you have no clue what the greatest need of the person sitting beside you is. And that's because biblical community and fellowship the way God designed it is not taking place. And I long to see our student ministry where students know what's going on in each other's life. They're encouraging each other in their life. They're sharing each other's life. And by the way, what we have made fellowship is we've made fellowship a recreational activity. Recreational activity is not what fellowship was meant to be. It was meant to be relational. And what happens is, is that we plan these youth events or other churches plan youth events. They're like, yeah, we're having a lock-in and we're doing this thing and we're doing that thing. And we just bring in students together for fellowship. Let me tell you something. The number of students in the room does not mean that fellowship is taking place. You can have hundreds of students in a room. And there will be division taking place, gossip taking place, backbiting taking place, people tearing each other down and pushing each other away. That is not fellowship. That is not fellowship. Fellowship literally in its Greek context is this give and take. It is a give and take. 
It, it is you giving of yourself and, and taking from others and you're working together and this kind of stuff. And it's not this, it's not this, one person isn't just taking everything, right? You ever had friends like that? You do everything and you love them and you pour into them. And they're just like, take, 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 take. They never do anything for you. They never give. Anybody ever had friends like that? Punks, man. You know, you just want to... Like, dude, what, you know? And, and, then, and then some of you, and then some of you, you're give friends, and all you do is you just give, 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 and you never take. Because like, no, I don't want to take that. No, I don't want to accept that. I'm too good for that. And maybe the, the picture of the church is, look, we give and we take from each other. It's a relationship. That's what happens. It's a give and take relationship. I mean, it's a partnership. This is, this is deep relationship with one another. I want to put this up on the screen. I want you to notice this. In the, in the Bible, in the New Testament, we see 120, more than 120 injunctions of the phrase one another. And I want to show you a few of those. Love one another. Keep going through them. Outdo one another in showing honor, Romans 12. Live in harmony with one another, Romans 12. Comfort and agree with one another. This is what the church is supposed to be doing. Just keep going. Serve one another. Galatians, 13, or Galatians 5 and John 13. Next. Bear one another's burdens. Galatians 6. Forgive one another. Ephesians 4. Submit to one another. Ephesians 5. Be honest with one another. Colossians 3. Encourage one another. 1 Thessalonians. I mean, we could keep going on and on and on. Over 120 of these injunctions. Encourage one another. Confess your sins to one another. Love each other. Treat each other with respect. Care for each other. Bear each other's burdens. Do all this kind of stuff. Let me tell you something. Where in the world is that environment for you to do that? It's supposed to be the church. See, I believe that some of this stuff can't happen unless it's orchestrated in a small group environment. It's really hard to bear the burdens of one another when you've got several hundred students sitting in a room and you don't really know all the people. And I'm not saying you have to be in deep relationship with several hundred people. What I am saying, though, is that you need to be in deep relationship with a few people that you're pouring in their life, that you're sharing your life with, that can encourage you in your faith, that can build you up, that can lift you up, that can challenge you, that can encourage you, that can be the body of Christ to you. I mean, I, I, I use this scripture all the time because it's one of my favorite passages. But in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, it says, Two are better than one. If one man falls down, he has someone there to help him up. But most pitied is the man who falls down and has no one there to help him up. Most pitied. Guys, we got to have people in our life that can build us up, that, can, that we can share life with. And we got to have a, an environment for that to take place. And listen, this has been heavy on my heart for a while. And I'm going to share with you some here in a little bit about where, where God is leading me and where I think God is leading our ministry uh, as a result of what he's been placing on my heart about this whole entire thing. But I'll tell you, this is, there's, some, there's some changes coming in our high school ministry to help flesh this out and bring this forth. One of those changes is, is that is that on uh, beginning in September the, the 6th, in September, we're continuing our, our, our breakout time after our youth group time for you to go out into your small groups. I'm going to share a little, bit of, a little bit of vision with you. 
But we're going to do them a little differently this year because I believe that, that and, and what I've been kind of praying about and fasting about, and we've been praying and fasting for about eight months about what's, what we're going to be talking about tonight, seven months or so, and what we're talking about tonight is that we feel like this isn't taking place. This bearing burdens with one another and sharing with each other and this kind of stuff. And we feel like we need to have connection time with each other, but we also need to have a deeper time. So we're planning another deeper time outside of Thursday night. But on Thursday night, what we're going to do is, when we break out, we're going to have a connection group. It's going to be about a 20-minute group. And it's going to be done and based by your school. And you will go into that group with this group of people that are based by your school. And the reason we're doing it by school is because these are the people that you see every day. Listen, this is biblical. This is biblical. We just showed you in Acts chapter 2 where the church met together every day. We just showed uh, Jesus when he had his disciples and Jesus modeled this in a small group. He took 12 men, invested three years of his life. Listen, these men walked together every day. They slept in the same place. They ate every meal together. They did ministry together. They walked alongside each other in this deep relationship built with the disciples and with Jesus. And Jesus poured into their life so that eventually these guys, when Jesus died on the cross, these guys then took the message, took what Jesus had poured into their life, and basically we have the church and Christianity of the day was built on the foundation of those guys and what they did. And we see throughout Scripture, in fact, Hebrews 10 tells us, do not stop meeting together. Continue meeting together. Have these relationships with each other. And so it's really difficult when you're only seeing someone once a week and they live 40 minutes away from you and you're seeing them here at church for you to really build that deep relationship with them. And we want you building that with the people you go to school with so that you guys can challenge each other, encourage each other, keep each other accountable on a daily basis so you can grow in your walk with Christ with the people that you brush shoulders with. And listen, you don't have to have anything in common, but you have Jesus in common. So we want this connection group to be. And we're not going to talk about the service at night and this kind of stuff. We're going we're gonna to get to know each other. We're going to have fun little activities in there. We'll like get to know each other, games and things like that. And then at the end, we're going to take prayer requests and we're going to pray. And that's going to be the time. We want you connecting with people that you see on a weekly basis. And for most of you, when we do the grade groups, the problem is, is that you invite your friends that you go to school with, and they come here, and they're in 10th grade, and you're in 9th grade, and you're like, oh, man, well, they can't really come in my group because they're in the 10th grade group, but they go to school with you because those are the people you spend the most time with. This will allow you to be able to invite your friends from school and know that when they come, you're going to be in the same small group with them. And you guys are going to be able to share life together. What that does not mean is it does not mean that you don't stop hanging out with the people that are here that you are connected with. What it does not mean is is that your relationships here fizzle out. What it does not mean is those people that you have connected with go away. What it does mean is that you get an opportunity to be able to share life with people you're going to see on a daily day-to-day basis and really live out biblical community and fellowship in your life. And we're just talking about a 20-minute time on Thursday night. That's, that's That's the big change. But we feel like this is important. We feel like this is important. The third thing is discipleship. The third area of sharing life together is discipleship. And we grow together with other people. See, this is the model that Jesus gave us, right? Jesus spent and poured his life into 12 people. He discipled 12 people. A disciple is a learner. They sat under Jesus and they learned and they grew in their faith. And we're to grow in our faith. Ephesians chapter 4 says this. Their responsibility is is to equip God's people to do the work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Our responsibility is to build up the church. 
This will continue until we all come to such unity, there's that word, in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord. The idea is maturity. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown by every kind of wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us and, uh, with lies and so clever and sound truth. When you, when you go and you look back at some of the language of this and some of the translations of this, what you see is, is that he literally talks about we would not be like children who are drinking milk. Or that we wouldn't be like adults drinking milk. That we have an immature faith. I mean, listen, it is, it, is, it is completely unacceptable for a 15-year-old to come to school just wearing a diaper and a passy in his mouth and pulling out a bottle of milk for lunch, right? I mean, that is completely unacceptable. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, you, you know, that, that dude would get kicked out of school quick. I'm like, dude, what are you doing, man? And he's like, man, I just, I, I just wear diapers and I drink out of a bottle. Like, that's just, that's just what I do, man. Like, I, I, I never go out. I mean, that's unacceptable because we know that as you grow up physically, there are certain things that should be different in your life because you've grown up physically. Like, a 15-year-old should be eating steak, but listen, it's never appropriate to give a baby steak, right? I mean, you got a big old rib eye and you're cutting that thing and you're sticking it in my baby. You know, babies are there choking. You're I'm licking the baby. I don't know if you're like a baby like that, but that'd be pretty funny, you know. And, but you can't do that to a baby, right? They're choking on that. Because here's the deal. A baby is not mature enough yet to do that. And here's the reality. The reality is that we got people in our student ministry that are on every part of their spiritual journey. There are people that are still trying to figure out God. There are people that have just given their lives to Christ right here. There are people who are mature believers. And our responsibility is to meet our students wherever they are on their spiritual journey and lead them into a growing relationship with Jesus. We're about maturing in your faith. We are about you growing in your faith. We want to help you one day be able to eat steak in your faith and it's the same in your spiritual life it's the same in your spiritual life just like it is in your physical life you have to grow up and here's the reality some of you are sitting in this room and you've been going to church for five ten and even more years of your life and you're still drinking on the bottle your faith has never progressed there's no hunger for God's word. There's no hunger for worship. There's no hunger for prayer. And I may even add that there may not be no hunger for God because there is no relationship with God. This is something that we need to take seriously. Our faith is a serious matter. And we've got to be growing in our faith. But this is the question I had to ask myself. Derek, if a student wants to grow in their faith, how can they do that? What is in place for them to do that? Yeah, you come for preaching and teaching, and a part of this is feeding you, and a part of this is helping you out spiritually, but this isn't the end game. I mean, in Scripture, we see that they met weekly for worship and, and for teaching, and, and so that's a part of this, but that's only a small part of your journey. There's got to be something else where you got accountability, and there's people pouring into your life and challenging you and encouraging you and praying for each other. You can be open about the struggles in your life, and those people, you know, got your back, and they're going to keep it confidential, and they're going to be consistent people in your life. And so as I begin to look at our ministry and I begin to pray about the direction of where we would go and what that would look like, God laid it on my heart. Why don't we just look at the New Testament and model what Jesus did? So this fall, starting September the 9th, we are launching home groups. We're launching them alongside of the church. And they'll be on Sunday nights from 4.30 to 5.45. What we didn't want to happen is we didn't want you to have to drive back to the church for another time during the week that's inconvenient for parents, especially parents who have, uh, who have students that don't drive. 
and it's also inconvenient for you. So we're going to do home groups based on schools, and so your home group is going to be by your house. It's going to be an opportunity for you to get together with people from your schools to be able to grow in your faith. And I know what some of you guys are thinking. You're like, man, that, that ain't going to work out too well. There's like two people that go here that go to my school. Well, we got you fixed. And for the, some of you, you're like, you know what, I'm homeschooled, and like, what does that mean for me? Well, what we want to do is we want to start out, we want to start out small. And listen, this is going to be for people who, who want to really go deeper in their walk with Christ. This is for people who want to be serious about their faith. And we're going to start this thing out September the 9th, joining with the church. And, and the first, the first uh, four to six weeks is going to be the At The Movie series that the church is doing, which is going to be awesome. And then after that, we're going to begin this thing called Student Life Bible Study. And for an hour and 15 minutes every week, you're going to be connecting with a group of girls or a group of guys from your school. And the idea is, is that you guys would grow in your faith, and you would grow in your faith, and you would grow in your faith, and you would grow in your faith. And next year in 2013, because I'm already thinking there, in 2013, we are going to challenge your home group, your small group, to begin a ministry on the campus of your school to see other people come to know Jesus. But that's down the road. We'll get there. The other thing about it is we want you to be able to have parties in the house every once in a while and to be able to invite all your friends and just have a fun night at, at the house or somewhere else and, and use that as an opportunity. We want this to be an opportunity for, you know, if you're in Collins Hill and you're, you know, a Collins Hill guy or a Collins Hill girl and you guys want to get together with the guys and girls group and go to the Collins Hill football game and grill out hamburgers and hot dogs and give them out for free and invite people to the point. I mean, do ministry together, serve together. Also in these groups, every six to eight weeks, your group on that time when you're supposed to meet will go out and do a service project and serve together because remember all the one another statements the bible tells us that we're to serve one another and we're to serve others and so we're going to serve as a part of what those home groups are and listen i'm just telling you right now man we are super excited about this we've been praying for this like crazy because we believe this is going to change the trajectory of this ministry this is going to blow the doors off this place we're going to see so many more people encounter god because we're we're doing it on their home turf we're doing ministry on their home turf it for some of you you go to school 40 minutes from here and this would be an opportunity for you to invite someone to something that is five minutes, ten minutes from your house and not 40 minutes away. Maybe that's a barrier to your friends coming, but they get connected there and eventually they come and get connected here. And so you can begin signing up for these home groups because we're going to ask you guys to sign up for them if you're serious about them because we only want serious people to sign up. You can begin signing up for these home groups beginning uh, Saturday of this week at, at the movies, uh, 12 Stone, at the, and I think we got that website uh, we might can put up here. And um, if not, they'll get it later. And, uh, but it's, uh, it'll be 12 Stone, uh, at the movies at 12stone.com. So you can see that. You can check out what's, what's going on with that. But that's the direction. That's where we're going because, listen, here's the deal. We want to see you guys growing in your faith, maturing in your faith. Not only want we see you maturing in your faith and being disciple, but we want to see real biblical community and fellowship taking place. And we want to see unity in the body of Christ. I have a, a friend I want to invite up. Uh, his name's Mark. Mark actually uh, has been going to 12 Stone for a while. And when Mark was in 10th grade, um, they, uh, they, they began um, uh, home groups. Uh, here at 12 Stone for their student ministry. And Mark actually was a part of home groups back then. And, um, hey, see if that works. Is it working? Is it working? working? Yeah, it's good. All right, so Mark was a part of, part of those home groups then. And, uh, and Mark and, and some really cool stuff happened in there. So I wanted, I wanted Mark just to kind of share uh, a little bit about, um, about kind of what happened in those home groups and how the relationships built through there. I have about 15 friends from high school that I'm still friends with 
to, to this day. And uh, let's see, I went to two of their weddings this summer. I talked to one on the phone today. And these were all friends that I had because of the house groups that we started in 12 Stone. Um, and we would just go every Sunday to Jill's house in Buford, and we all met up there, and we, we began to sort of own her house. We, wouldn't, we don't even knock anymore. You just come in, and you take ownership of it. And uh, it just became a rhythm of our week to meet with each other outside. Um, I think one of the things we really appreciated about it was it gives you a time away from Derek. At that time, the high school pastor was Kevin Queen. You guys know Kevin Queen? Yeah. Yeah, that was a high school pastor at that time, and it gave us a break from Kevin, and, and it let us take ownership of something ourselves, and, uh, yep. and you never know where that's going to go when you get to have ownership of something yourself. Um, for instance, some of those, those friends that I started making in my house group, we didn't just leave it to our house group. We connected with the guys in the other house groups, and just of our own accord, um, once we started driving 16 years old, we decided we wanted to meet up every Friday before high school, 6 a.m. at the IHOP off 120 in Lawrenceville, Swanee. You guys know that IHOP? We met there 6 a.m. every morning for one or two years. Lee was our server. Right, this was seven or eight years ago, and I still know the server's name. That's weird. But, <laughs> but that's the sort of stuff. You get to take ownership of this group once you're out, and you guys yeah. can come up with what you want to do. And uh, you, you dive deeper into relationship with each other. There's two things I remembered from what Derek just, from what Derek just talked about. I'm a, I'm, I'm, a te I'm a teacher, and when that happens to my students, sometimes I just take yeah, my phone and Mark, start talking Mark is, to them. Mark's, uh, Mark is brilliant. He's a religion professor at where? At George Gwinnett. George Gwinnett, and uh, yes, yeah. and uh, pretty so, sharp guy. So I'll forgive Derek for that since yeah. this is church. I apologize. Um, <laughs> Sensei. But there were two things from what Derek said tonight that I wanted to comment on while I was up here. First thing was I didn't agree with we're not all as good as our Facebook because I am. <laughs> I might be the only exception, but I am. Um, and the second is when Derek mentioned something about um, how many of us know the greatest need of the person sitting next to us, right? I don't know many of you, so I could answer none. But you guys, I would hope, would be able to not just say the person next to me, but the person, the people all around me because – when I was your age in high school, and because of these house groups, I knew the deepest, most heartfelt need of about 10 to 15 guys. And, and that wasn't like a, that was a daily, weekly thing. I just, you just know their hearts. Yeah. And that, ca that can't happen in times where it's too big of a group like this or 20 minutes afterwards. And these house groups provide um, a place to have fun. It, it wasn't even always about uh, prayer and incense and burning and ooh. It, it was about um, wrestling matches, which, by the way, Kevin Queen could beat all of us in wrestling and Derek can beat all of you in wrestling. There's something about dads that will always win and youth pastors that will always win. But sure. that's what it's about. It's, uh, it's about community and connecting and fellowship and the unity you guys were talking about. Um, those cool. friends are still my friends and uh, – and I expect that you guys will find um, a lot of depth in these house groups. Now give it up for Mark and thank him for coming hang out. <laughs> for me, I was a freshman in college. I've been a Christian for a year, got in a group of guys, of six guys, 
And uh, we began on this journey of, of uh, growing together. And uh, these guys are still my best friends. I still talk to them all the time. Uh, three of these guys were at my wedding. And uh, these would be the closest people to ever come in your life because you share life with each other. It's what God has designed us to do. So we're heading in that direction. I want you guys to know about it. I know probably many of you have questions and all this kind of stuff. We're going to try to answer those as we, as we walk through. But, man, I want to ask you guys to trust the leadership of our student ministry and trust our leaders and everyone that, that is here because, man, we, we deeply desire you to connect with God, you to have unity and fellowship and discipleship in your life, to grow in your faith. And so tonight we went a little longer than we typically go. And the reason we did that was because we wanted you to get it and know how important this is and how we're going to lay that out there to you. So I want to pray. We're going to have the band come up and they're going to close this out tonight. And then, um, and then we've got a really special, special announcement at the end of the night that Danny is going to be giving us. So you don't want to miss that. And uh, as the band's coming up and before I pray, let me just remind you let me just remind you that we have these cloths right here. We're going to have some more of these cloths available next week if you want to write one of your friends' names on it because these are, there's over 200 cloths, pieces of cloth, strips of cloths on that thing that are red, orange, and yellow of students that have written the names of people that they want to see come to know Jesus this year that they're going to be praying for and committing to pray for for our back-to-school bash coming up. And so this cloth thing right here, as someone comes and they give their life to Christ, we're going to change their color to white. And so our idea is throughout the semester, we're going to see that change to white. And it's going to be a pretty cool thing. So this is what I want to do. I want you to put, if you wrote somebody's name down in there, if you got somebody's name in your head that you just want to pray for, you know they just need some prayer right now. I'm going to pray for this. I'm going to pray for us tonight. And I want to ask you, as I'm praying, to be praying to yourself about uh, that person or someone in your life, whoever God's placed on your heart. Let's pray. Father, tonight, we thank you, Lord, for the church. We thank you, Lord, that you didn't create us to be in isolation. I think of the fact that, that, uh, that one of the most deep pains in anyone's life is loneliness and how loneliness cripples people. And studies show that one in five are lonely. So God, I just pray for loneliness in this room tonight. I pray if anyone's really struggling with that and they just need some community in their life. They need, they need the church. They need someone to come around them and love on them and serve them and care for them and just be there for them. God, I pray that this would be an opportunity for that to happen in their life. God, I just want to lift up uh, this, these strips of cloth over here. God, we know that, that powerful things happen when we pray, when the supernatural invades the natural, when you step in our situations. And so, God, I just pray over the names of every student that's written on a strip of that cloth that is up there. And God, I just pray, Lord, that you would just touch their hearts. And God, as their, their friends from here, invite them to come to the back-to-school bash on, on, uh, at the end of this month, on August the 30th, that their hearts would be open to that and that they would come. And God, that night, I pray that you would open their hearts in such a way that when we share about salvation and what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, that they would respond that night and that their lives would be changed forever as mine was on July 14th, 1998, when I made that decision to stand in my life. So God, tonight, we just pour out our heart to you. And uh, we lift you up tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.